welcome to Harvest Australia Church Podcast. We're so glad you're listening today. We pray this blesses you and encourages you. And if you want to get in touch with us or find out more about our ministry, please check out our website or social media. We pray you have a great day. So today I want to share on generational blessing. You thought I was going to say generational curses, didn't you? But generational blessing. And um, I want to start reading from Psalm 112. So if you want to turn there, then that would be great. I'm just going to refer to a couple of quick verses. And let me pray before we start. Lord, we thank you this morning that you're here with us. Thank you for worship. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for every good thing you're doing in and through us. Lord, I pray that you would just today continue to grow us, transform us, strengthen us into everything you want us to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 112 verse 2 says, Their children will be mighty in the land, The generation of the upright will be blessed. The generation of the upright will be blessed. I believe that many of us, many of you, particularly the older generation, many of you are going to not even know the great fruit of your life because of your upright living before the Lord, because of your faithful tithing week in, week out, your faithful praying for your family members, your faithfulness in the Lord when maybe others have departed, others haven't understood, but you've stood. And I believe the Lord is a great rewarder. And the Bible says that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And many of you have been that. I want to encourage you. There's generational blessing going to fall on your family line because of your faithfulness. The Lord loves faithfulness. And there's something about that building of a wealth in relationship and a relationship with Jesus and with the Father that He can't resist but pour out blessing. I want to read that verse again. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. I was looking at some statistics on Macrindle. If you ever want to look at some statistics, you can go on the the ABS website or you can go on sites like Macrindle and they give you all sorts of statistics, particularly on church and Christianity in Australia. Interesting fact is that it's, it's no secret. In fact, the Australian did a article on it and I think other, other newspapers picked up uh, once the, the uh, census was done in, I think, 2011 and, uh, and things like that. And you can see the population types and you can see how Christianity is going in Australia. Australia is still a Christian nation. Of all the religions in Australia, uh, if people call themselves religious of any type, Christianity is still 61% of that group. And it's only about, you know, 7% make up, you know, a whole bunch uh, that we hear a whole lot about, but it's a very small percentage. Christianity is the predominant faith in Australia. Hear that, media. <laughs> um, but it's something sometimes we feel like we're the little ones, we're the small ones, we're doing something wrong, we don't believe the truth, we, we, we're not welcoming, we're not inviting, we're not inclusive. But in actual fact, Christianity is all of those things. And if it weren't for Christianity, this nation would fall apart. 
the social fabric of this country would fall apart. The, the, the social systems that look after the homeless and feed people and help out. They, they, we are the originators of things like foster care and caring for the needy and those who are hurting in society. And still today, Christianity is the backbone of compassion. I mean compassion as in the heartbeat. Christianity is at the forefront of doing all of those things, and yet sometimes we can feel like we're the, 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 the poorer cousin to some of these other ones who get more media hype. But Christianity, based on Jesus Christ, is still reigning strong in this nation. Sometimes it's good to remember that because we can remember that there's people in previous generations who have fought and spoken out and been strong in their faith And we're going to need to do the same thing for the next generations to come. We're going to need to do that. There is a decline in people who call themselves Christian in Australia. That's a fact. And you can look at the articles and the census and go to McCrindle if you want to have a look at that. But there is a decline uh, over the last hundred years. I can't remember exactly what it is. From 1911, I think it was something like 96% of people... uh, said they're affiliated or they have a faith based on Christianity. And now it's much more like just over half. And so that's a big drop in 100 years. If we keep going that way, it's going to not be so good. However, however, churches like ours and Pentecostal churches in the nation are on the increase. And so what you can see by that is that one of the parts about our faith is that we need to keep it fresh. We need to keep it fresh. I want to just read you. A, I just wrote it as I was thinking about this, but it's interesting that our message outweighs our method. But our method can either make or break the message. In other words, sometimes if we're completely irrelevant to the culture we're trying to minister to, our message can be true, but we speak in a different language, so no one heard it. So relevancy is a big key about making sure we're generationally relevant. Do you know what I mean? Just give me a wave if you understand that. That's great. That's great. I'll take that. The generation of the upright will be blessed. The generation of the upright will be blessed. If we live right before the Lord, He promises that He will bless the next generation. He will bless your children. He will bless your grandchildren. He will bless the next generation. And as a people group, as a faith group, if you like, we want to be upright so that the Lord blesses the next generation. I think it's interesting when you look at any sort of uh, different realm of life and let's make it relevant to, to footy teams. When you look at footy teams, you're always hearing about the next up-and-comers. Always, especially when the team's doing really bad. You know, they make it sound like there's an amazing crop of young people coming through. Say, oh, this one, he's, he's going to be amazing, you know. And, and so there's always a forward-looking perspective in any realm of life. In business, it's exactly the same. You're looking at succession, and you've got to do succession plans. The reason is, is because the world is moving. Life is moving. We're not getting any younger. I'm 43 now. I know, that's hard to believe, isn't it? But it's a, it's a fact of life. We can't do anything about it. 
But what we can do is keep our spirits young. I want to I wanna give a shout out to Keith. Now, this guy, this, this guy epitomizes someone who has a young spirit. He was here on Friday night when he could have been miserably watching the crows get flogged. He was here with gloves on, scarf on, bandanas and you name it. I think he had a sleeping bag somewhere in there as well. Outside the front here in the rain while young people were in here encountering Jesus. He was on security for us before and after he helped out. And that's a man with a young spirit because he's looking at the next generation saying, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that, so I'll do whatever it takes. And you missed a pretty crappy footy game anyway, so, you know, that's life. Oh, uh, yeah, you were, you were checking, I know. But there's others as well. Many of you do the same thing. Many of you do the same thing. But I want to be like that when I'm like 59, like Keith. <laughs> a young spirit. A young spirit is a powerful spirit because it can look at the current generation that I'm living in and it looks the next generation and, and is praying and believing for better things for that generation. There's no orphan. There's no orphan because the orphan says, oh, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out. I don't, what about me? What about me? Well, I've learned that once you become of a certain age, and my kids are here, so I've got to be careful on this one. Otherwise, they might take too much license. But, but when kids get to a certain age, there, there is a time where you just champion them. You just champion them. And so this is the posture of the church, I believe, that's powerful when we realize that when we champion the next thing God's bringing through, we actually become a prophetic people. Because the prophetic's always looking ahead, isn't it? Looking ahead. What's, what are you saying, Lord? What are you doing, Lord? Some of the greatest prophetic people never prophesy. But in their spirit, they're prophetically minded. They're looking. They're looking at what's going on. They're seeing what God's doing. They're praying on what God's showing them. And in that way, they carry a prophetic movement. They carry the prophetic heartbeat of God, which is advancing the kingdom. And that's our aim, isn't it? To see God increase here on earth, to see Him do great stuff through our lives, and to see Him increase His kingdom here on earth. And He wants to use you and He wants to use me in that. I believe a key is keeping a young spirit. Keeping a young spirit. And when we do that, we actually, we don't shut the door on ourselves or our generation or the previous generation or anything like that. But what we do is we're actually opening the door all the way through. And I want to just show that to you even in, even in Scripture. But I think that's, there's a powerful key, if I can say that. There's a, there's a couple of things that I felt this morning as I was um, just going through this again, is that honour goes both up and down. Honour goes up in generations or age and down. And when we posture ourselves to both, I'm right sort of in the middle, if you like, when I am honouring the older generation and honouring the younger generation, I'm posturing myself with a prophetic call because we have an awareness and an openness to the giftings of God on all generations. But we're always looking forward. All of us, we're always looking forward. What are you doing, Lord? What are you, what are you saying to the next generation? Because when we hear what He's saying to the next generation, we can participate in it. 
The Lord never leaves anyone out of his move of God. You've probably heard words like I have that God's going to do a mighty move, you know, through the, the young people. And I used to hear that and think, oh, that's great when I was 16. I believe God is going to move on all flesh. Why do I believe that? Because the Bible says it. Joel chapter 2, Acts chapter 2 says, on all flesh. It's very easy at a youth meeting to prophesy God's going to pour out on the youth. But then you've got to do the same thing. You've got to go to a retirement village and prophesy that God's going to pour out on older people as well. And so he wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh. No one's excluded. No one's going to miss out. There's no even specific church style that is so much more anointed than every other church style. Styles come and go. But one thing that never changes is God wants to pour out his flesh on you and on me, irrespective of age, irrespective of, of what clothes we wear or whether we've got a beard this week or not. I had one this week, so, you know, I can say that. God doesn't really care about that stuff. He doesn't care. He's no respecter of those little specific things. Because if he was, he would have to respect our little Adelaide, Radelaide culture. Then he'd have to change his mind when he goes to Melbourne. Then he'd have to change his mind when he really goes to New Zealand. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that's for Brian and Louise. And then when he goes to Asia... He's got to completely be schizophrenic and be nothing like he is here. It's got nothing to do with any of that. It's got everything to do with the heart because the heart has a kingdom language, doesn't it? It doesn't matter about any of that other stuff. And God loves honour. And so we want to be a people of honour for all generations looking forward. We can see in the example of King Saul, and as I've said many times, R.T. Kendall's sermon um, about this on yesterday's man, today's man, and tomorrow's man is a very powerful sermon. If you ever want to listen to a podcast, listen to it because it's really, really relevant. I'm probably going to listen to it in 30 years time to make sure that I'm staying today's man because it's one of those things that's all about our spirits, all about our heart. And King Saul was anointed and gifted. He even prophesied when he wasn't right with God. As work that out. You know what I mean? He still had a gift and anointing from God. Samuel was in the middle. He anointed King Saul and then he anointed, and anointed David, the young man who was tomorrow's man. King Saul became yesterday's man, even though he was the king, because he disobeyed the Lord. And Samuel's right in the middle, today's man, trying to bring this, this generational succession together somehow. He's anointed Saul and he's anointed David and he's seeing the difference going on. David's running for his life because he's tomorrow's man. He hasn't got the platform yet, but he's got inside of him the prophetic anointing of the Lord that says, you're going to be the king. You're going to be the king. You're going to be the king. It's a hard place when the Lord says, you're gonna. Many of us sometimes feel like in that place of gonna, that it just lasts forever. But God is faithful to His Word. He's faithful to His promises. And He wants to bring about good things in your life. Do you believe that today? In fact, He probably wants to do good things in your life this very week. Maybe simple things, maybe big things. I don't know. But His eyes are searching to and fro across the earth, seeking whom 
he may bless and bring about good things and strongly support, the Word of God says. If you need strong support, the Word of God promises you that he's looking for you. He's looking for you, searching. See, the opposite to that is the enemy is searching to and fro, seeking who he can devour. But God is searching, seeking who he might lift up. They're opposites, aren't they? If you're feeling devoured, just remember that God is also searching for you. God's also looking for you. Looking forward, is, it's a powerful thing. Joel 2, chapter, tw- uh, ver- chapter 2, verse 28 says this. Then after doing all those things, this is Joel prophesying for the Lord. He says, I will pour out my spirit on, upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. Interesting, inclusive. The gospel is inclusive. And even its references to men and women was the culture of the day. But we can see the Lord speaking through men and women just as powerfully these days, can't we? It's because the heartbeat of God is that all would be included in the kingdom. All would be included in the work of the kingdom. And so this passage here includes, let's say, both generations. Some people might split up generations a lot more than this. But it says the old and the young. The old and the young. When the Holy Spirit is poured out, it's on the old and the young. And this is where we see the greatest fruit. This is where we see... Uh, reformations and movements of God last the longest is where you have multi-generational outpouring. If you just have outpouring at a youth camp, it generally stays at a youth camp. We've seen that many times ourselves. But when you have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in a church with multi-generations, it tends to last longer and it spreads a little bit further. And you can look at different movements of God where there's been multi-generational impact like the Great Awakenings in particular, you can see the ramifications are global. They're global. They reach right across the earth. Azusa Street, you can read books on Azusa Street written by the kids who were in those meetings sitting under the chairs sometimes because the glory of God was so tangible. The kids were in the glory of God and the parents brought them along. Multi-generational effect. What's the, the only Christian movement growing in Australia? Pentecostalism. Where did Pentecostalism begin? In the glory of God with multi-generationals as Azusa Street. That's where Pentecostalism began just over 100 years ago. And so we can see that that multi-generational effect is very powerful. It's scriptural, Joel 2, Acts 2. I'll pour out my spirit on your old and your young. And when we work together in a blessing of one another, an honouring of up and an honouring of down, so to speak, there's a power in that unity that I believe the enemy hates. He hates it. Why does he hate it? Because you can look across the earth and you can see him trying to split well, you can trying to split age groups, trying to make old people feel like they're irrelevant, trying to make young people feel like they're not good enough. And, and everyone feels bad about each other. But when we bring that in together in a spirit of unity and honour, we can actually see God wants to do something with kingdom family. Family's not just one generation, is it? It's not just kids. It'd be pretty boring at Christmas time if it were just kids, all buying each other, you know, 50 cent 
toys and that sort of thing, no parents cooking or doing anything. That's a pretty strange family, isn't it? However, kingdom family is all generations, all generations. And we can see the hand of God on that right back. Even through Scripture, you can see back through Abraham's time, right back in biblical times with Noah and with Adam and Eve. It's God's intended heart is to meet with all generations, to meet with His people, old and young. And I believe we'll make the biggest impact when we stand for that. And I believe that actually it becomes very relevant even to our nation and to our city when our message is for people not just an age group. Hey, we want to be unashamedly sometimes young. We want to be unashamedly sometimes older. And we'll have cream cakes and all that nice stuff that I see the seniors having, Tim Tams. And, you know, I've seen Tony doing some Tim Tam slams and things with Rob getting together and they're competing. It's pretty competitive out there. But one thing we love about you guys is you're looking ahead. You're looking ahead. You're championing those things. That's why, you know, I say about Keith, but there's many others who, who ask us afterwards, how did culture go? And how, how's this going? You're getting excited about stuff, even though it's way too loud for you to attend. That's okay. You, your spirit's in it. And we love that. And this is what we can look across the earth and it's particularly just make it relevant to Australia. We can see this, that that when the generations honour one another, they realise, hey, okay, there's going to be some different things. I had a rude awakening about five years ago. I went to a church and uh, it was a bit different than ours and it was, it was a bit smaller, but it was a completely different style that, than what I was used to. And it was the loudest thing I've ever attended in my life. And I've heard some loud things over my time. And I was a drummer for 18 years here. And so I've heard some loud things on myself. But, but this thing was off the charts loud, off the charts loud, smoke machines, lights whizzing past me. It felt like, you know, it just felt like I was on LSD or something. But anyway, so at this thing and from minute number one to minute number about 48, because they are super slick on their timing, uh, I was judging everything, everything. You laugh because you've done it before. I was judging everything from the guy's skinny jeans that were ripped perfectly. I thought, they're not ripped, mate. You've gone and done that yourself. <laughs> to the way they were doing some other stuff. And the, the anyway, I won't keep going because it just, you know, it shows how ugly my heart was that night. But, and I'm thinking to myself, really? Really? Is this, is this what we've got to do? Because I'm telling you, the place was jam-packed full of young people. jam and I would mean jam-packed, we could not even get a seat. And it was the fifth service on the day. And, and, uh, and they've seen a lot of young people saved. And, and so I was, I'd heard about the fruit. I didn't like the root, <laughs> you know, but I'd, I'd heard about the fruit. Anyway, so I hope this pastor doesn't ever listen to this podcast, but no, nah, I have talked to him since and I have repented to his face. I mean that. I have. Because after that, I had a, a bit of a rude awakening. Um, actually, it's good timing. Uh, anyway, I got in the car and Natalia happened to be with me that night. And I said, oh, what did you think of that, doll? And she just went, oh, that was awesome. That was amazing. Yesterday's man. 
Before you know it, I'd already become yesterday's man. At 38, 39, whatever age I was, it's that simple. You begin judging things that you have no clue, no clue about why they're doing what they're doing. You become yesterday's man or yesterday's woman. It can happen in like that. As quick as anything, I've become yesterday's man. Judgment is one of the fastest ways and criticism to become yesterday's movement. Where the Lord still is with you, He still loves you, but He lifts influence off your life. He lifts favour off your life. Why? Because no longer does He want to bless the influence you have. And so I could see I had a split second to start justifying myself and all my little reasons and take my earplugs out my ears and, you know, do all that sort of stuff. But very quickly, literally overnight, God was speaking to me and I remember talking to Karen about it and just going through some discussions and I thought, wow, okay, all right. You've dealt with me pretty, pretty clearly, Lord. And it wasn't that all of a sudden we've got to copy everything and do everything. And it, it wasn't about that. It was about my heart. Because I was sooner setting myself up to become the judge and the critic than I was actually looking for the fruit. And I mean, the fruit was everywhere. Seriously, it was just like oozing out of the place and the, the testimonies and things I'd heard. And, and so, you know, blind Freddie could understand that fruit was coming from the thing. But so often we are so quick to judge what we don't understand. And I mean, that saying's said many times, isn't it? But I want to say this is let's not be a people who quickly judge things. doesn't matter if it's God's doing something we don't quite understand or man's doing something we don't quite understand. But if there's God's fruit in it, let's stand back and just have a look. I've done the same thing about the Awakening Australia movement. I'll be honest with you. I, I took some months to jump on the bandwagon and I talked to a lot of the other leaders that we're in relationship with like Peter McEwen, David Crabtree and guys like that. And I said, all right, what's, what's the deal here? Is this legit? Is this trustworthy? Are we, are we, are we back in this thing? Uh, you know, who are these guys? And so I did all my cross checks. And then we took another few months of just watching and, you know, just sort of seeing where we, where we stand. It wasn't a criticism or, a, or anything. It was just a wanting to be in a trustworthy place. And so once we'd done that, we, we've made contact and we've got on board. And as you know, we, we, then the Lord's blessed us with hosting the whole state in the awakening pre-tour, the, the pre-awakening tour. And, and we have tons of even more pastors coming now. Next week, I'm going to tell you even more pastors coming. And the next week, even more. I mean, soon it's going to be like the whole nation's going to be here. But, you know, there's, there's 50 or 60 pastors coming at least already of every brand and stripe you can think of uh, are going to be here. And we're going to host them for an hour. And, and our job really, we're not getting anything out of this. Our job is really to host the city. And so you're going to see a really quirky video from me about how we're going to host our people, go out for all the volunteers, but um, that's for another time. We want to, it's out, it's out now. Oh no, sorry everyone. Anyway, we want to be a people that honour up and down, don't we? Sideways, every direction. You know, even with today's society in such confusion in so many areas, Christianity has the answer. We are the predominant people in this land. 
And one of the powerful things about Awakening Australia and, and what we're even part of, it's, it's finally, it's an opportunity for us to band together and say, hey, we're, we're going to do things completely different when we get back to church on Sunday. But for this time, we're completely unified. We believe in the same Jesus Christ. We believe in the same Father, the same Holy Spirit, His inspired Word of God, the Bible. We believe in some of the most fundamental or the most fundamental things in life. So let's get together, let's champion one another and let's do something. Don't worry, I'm not taking up an offering for Awakening Australia right now. But I'm saying there's a spirit of God on it, a spirit of unity that is multi-generational. It's, it's, it's across the board and we want to be part of that. Staying relevant is such a key and I'll, I'll finish with this. It's one of the wake-up calls that, that I got years ago because really when Karen and I took on the church and felt called of God, nine or 10 years ago to do this thing, we really were of the opinion, I'll speak for myself, but I, I think this was both of us, but um, I really thought that as long as we had the fire of God, everything else will be fine. And it's, it's not a bad way to go. And so I had every quote, all the books and everything, all the revival techniques and all of those methods and mindsets and prayers and styles, etc., etc., down pat. Because that's what we'd fed ourselves with. And it wasn't, wasn't wrong. God loved it. He loved it. But one of the things we realised that, what do you do if, for example, God doesn't want to do it that way? What if He wants to do it another way? What do you fall back on then? And so you've got to stay relevant and current to the voice of God for now, so you can see tomorrow. Because if we miss His voice for now, we miss it tomorrow. Maybe we've got to wait another year for the influence to break out or the opening or for God to do whatever He wanted to do. And so staying relevant to the voice of God for our lives today is such a key for tomorrow. And if we stay relevant and we posture our hearts in a manner that says, Lord, do whatever you want to do. I want to stay flexible enough. You know, my theology in some sense has got so much more flexible now than it was 20 years ago. And 20 years ago, I didn't know anything. So I know even less now. So as time goes by, you look at some of these things, you know, I can't even be bothered arguing about that. Believe what you want to believe. But let's see God glorified. And let's see His power Fall on people and then you say, oh, I don't believe in that. That's okay. You don't ever have to see God's power fall on someone. But I want to. So it's just a different perspective, isn't it? it isn't it? Oh, I won't keep going down that track. It's a rabbit trail and I'm hunting bunnies right now at my farm. And I'm using a shotgun, Keith. I know it's unfair, but I've got to get these things because they're eating my veggies and it's annoying me. And so rabbit trails are dangerous, okay? Why don't you stand before we find another one? I want us to hold hands across this place. And as a sign of unity and generational blessing, I want to pray a prayer over us as a church family and people. And, um, and I want us just to release honour in this place, maybe like never before, just releasing honour and blessing upon one another. Kingdom family is really powerful. It's really powerful. It's not just a saying. It's actually a powerful spirit that God has placed inside of each one of us to bring unity, to bring unity. 
And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you for our Harvest family. And any visitors, you're in on this today. And Lord, we pray today that you would release a fresh generational blessing on the old and the young. You would pour out your Spirit on the old and the young. Lord, that you would do great exploits on the old and the young. And Lord, you would use us all for your glory. Lord, I pray blessing on each one of us. I release a blessing upon each one of us in a fresh new way to honour the generations, to honour the young, to honour the older, to honour those who are different from us. Lord, we ask that your name would be glorified in and through us above everything else. We pray that you'd help us to stay relevant, stay current to what, how you want us to be as a church family. Lord, we welcome in the next generation, those rookies of the kingdom, Lord Jesus, who are going to be great miracle workers, who are going to be revivalists, who are going to be great in their careers and exploits and business. And Lord, we just prophesy over that next generation and we say, come forth, come forth. We welcome you in Jesus' Name. And Lord, we ask for souls, young and old. We ask for, Lord, your hand to be upon us so that we can be a multi-generational family that operates in such unity and blessing that is ridiculous, ridiculous. And Lord, we just thank you for every single person here today. Thank you for their gifts and their talents. And Lord, I pray blessing upon their families, upon their children, grandchildren, upon their decisions, upon their finances, upon their health. Lord, that You would prosper them in every way. Prosper them. I pray for upgrades in prosperity. If you don't believe on it in that, then that's okay. I want to give it to you anyway. Jesus, I pray that You would do great things. Surprise us with Your goodness. Surprise us with Your goodness. In Jesus' Name, Amen.